Welcome to Behind the Lines, coming to you from the socialist Marxist lines of Washington State. It's a crazy liberal petri dish for the rest of the country, folks. Stay up to date with all the great news right here. Welcome to Net News Network, Behind the Line, Washington State. Today we are talking about how Washington lawmakers are proposing a slew of new taxes for 2021. The newest proposal is the sugar tax. Uh, This will be a tax on sugary drinks. Seattle passed this law a year ago and claims consumption is down, but how more likely is it that people buy those drinks and their groceries outside of the city? Of course, this tax again attacks the people they claim to care the most about, low income and minorities. This is a report from King 5 on this tax. Your favorite soda, juice, and sweetened coffee drinks would likely get more expensive under the latest tax proposal debated in Olympia. Modeled after a similar ordinance in Seattle, Senate Bill 5371 would charge beverage distributors $1.75 for every ounce of a sweetened drink that has more than 20 calories in a 12-ounce serving. That would make a 12-ounce can of regular soda cost an additional 21 cents. Bill sponsors said while other cities and communities around the country have similar taxes, Washington would be the first in the nation to establish a statewide tax on sweet drinks. Of course, this doesn't apply to places like uh, Starbucks or other little specialty stores where you get your little coffee milkshakes in the morning. Funds raised would support public health programs and fund what backers called a health equity account for communities of color. Dr. Ruchi Kapoor with the American Heart Association testified in favor of the move. It's both a tool for improving health outcomes and raising critical funds to invest in communities that have long experienced health inequities. But lawmakers heard testimony from business owners and grocery, food, and beverage industry representatives who say the tax would be bad for business. You think? Debbie Breeze owns Tacoma's Cloverleaf Pizza and told senators the pandemic has caused a 30% decline in business. Senate Bill 5371 will add additional costs to my already elevated expenses for my business each month that I simply do not have, Breeze said. Republican Representative Ed Orcutt, uh, Republican from Kalama, said the public does not support new taxes, and he is absolutely correct about that. We are sick of being taxed in Washington. From what I'm hearing from people all over the state is, please don't raise the gas tax. Please don't institute a capital gains incomes tax, said Orcutt. He said lawmakers can pass a balanced budget without additional taxes and without having to make any cuts. In addition to the sweetened drink tax proposal, Democrats have proposed a new capital gains tax on the state's top 1% of investment earners. Another House proposal calls for an $0.18 per gallon increase in gas prices over the next two years. Speaker of the House, Representative Lori Jenkins, said the taxes are needed to address the state's multiple needs, including work on the interstate bridge between Vancouver and Portland. We have a failing bridge joining Oregon and Washington that we need to move forward on, so that kind of work does not come for free, said Jenkins, Democrat from Tacoma. Senate Majority Leader Senator 
Andy Billig, a Democrat from Spokane, also said the state should be looking at increases on taxes for gas and sweetened beverages. In so many areas, we have ha have over the last couple of decades funded and run things on the cheap, and public health is a great example of that, said Billig. Well, the state doesn't run anything on the cheap, so that's an uh, incorrect statement, and uh, we are right up there with taxes in the nation. If you think they're doing this because they actually care about your health, I mean, come on, man, right? This is about money. It's always about the money in Washington. According to the Seattle Times, in 2019, Seattle raised $16 million in nine months from this tax, this sugar tax in Seattle. $22.4 million total the first year. It doubled the price of a 12-pack of soda, added $10 to a pack of Gatorade that cost $15.99, and $7.35 to a regular case of Coke. It did not reduce or appear to reduce the amount of people buying soda. Interestingly enough, places like Starbucks that sell coffee milkshakes laden with sugar were left out of this bill. You wouldn't want those rich Seattleites having to pay more for their morning glory now, would you? The tax was the city's fastest growing revenue source for 2019. I mean, think about that. A sugar tax, well really a convenience and grocery store tax because it wasn't equitably applied to all sugary drinks. I mean that's their buzzword, right? Equity? This was the fastest growing revenue source. That's a sad and pathetic way for the city to get funds. And this is how Seattle chose to spend some of the money from this uh, sugar tax. These programs the city council had approved funding for uh, just over about five and a half million in 2018. Uh, the Fresh Bucks Food Action Plan, two million or 2.4 million dollars. 13th Year Promise Scholarship, 1.3 million dollars. Innovation High School Summer Learning, Summer Melt, one million dollars. Our Best, 189,000. Parent-Child Home Program, 525000 uh, Food banks got 153000 Their proposed investments, which was a total of $4.1 million, which was awaiting review by CAB uh, in the spring of 2018. Uh, farm to Table, Fresh Bucks to Go, uh, more money for food banks, out-of-school time nutrition program, early learning programs, in addition to these investments, revenue uh, from the new sugary drinks tax will also support evaluation work, 500000 to track the taxes, effectiveness, and impacts. Also, job training support, 500000 for those employed within the local distribution network for the beverage, beverage industry and general administrative support, a million dollars in city government. Of course, the city ended up with much more than they thought because it didn't really stop people from buying the drinks. So Durkin balanced her budget with uh, some of that money, and who knows where the rest went. I'm sure it went to all those other programs, but and then who knows where else. Because in Seattle, it's all about social programs and wealth redistribution. Now, state lawmakers see this and I'm sure are frothing at the mouth to get a piece of this. Can you imagine what a statewide sugar tax would rake in? Hundreds of millions they could spend on their pet projects and social programs and mismanage. Like I said, this isn't about your health because it didn't reduce consumption. It's about money. 
It's always about money. It's about the erosion of your rights and choices. If it was about health, it would apply to all sugary drinks, not just ones in cans and bottles. The people who can afford Starbucks and other expensive sugary drinks every day from their specialty stores would also have to bear the burden and pay the price. Instead, they will continue to target the low-income, most vulnerable, and minority people with their tax grab. The other problem with this tax is stores pay the tax up front when they buy the products. This raises the cost of inventory dramatically. Then they pass the cost on to you. And stores are already suffering from COVID-19, and now we want to lay more burden and costs on them? Some grocery stores have already closed their doors in Seattle and left. How many stores will this affect or cause to leave? And what will this do to stores throughout the state? No other state in the nation has a statewide sugar tax. And another good question is, in places like Seattle, where they have the city tax, is the state tax going to go on top of the city sugar tax? So you're going to have a double sugar tax in the city of Seattle? These are questions that need to be answered. This should not even be considered. Of course, the state is also considering a gas tax, uh, which we already have a gas tax, but now they want to add more to it. Uh, they want to impose another gas tax, which would make us the highest tax uh, gas tax station in the nation. This is a report from the AP. Democrat leaders in, Wash in the Washington State House on Tuesday unveiled a 16-year, $25.8 billion transportation package that includes an 18-cent increase in the gas tax and a new fee on carbon emissions. The Everald Herald reported that supporters have said the new revenue is needed to cover the cost of projects like the replacement of the Interstate 5 bridge over the Columbia River and the removal of state-owned culverts that are blocking fish passage. Democrat Representative Jake Fay, chairman of the House Transportation Committee, said that the funds would also go towards maintaining and preserving local roads and state highways and other construction projects. Under the proposal, $17.6 billion would come largely from the gas tax increase, which would be imposed over the next two years and indexed for inflation going forward. The carbon fee would provide $8.2 billion, with the fee starting at $15 per metric ton of emissions, rising to $20 in the next biennium and $25 in the 2025-27 budget cycle. Diesel fuel taxes will rise $0.21 cents per gallon under the plan. We are really committed to moving a transportation package and getting it to the governor's desk for signing, said House Speaker Lori Jenkins, Democrat Tacoma. I think this moves the ball down the field well. The chairman of the state of the Senate Transportation Committee, Senator Steve Hobbs, is expected to present the Senate proposal as early as next week. Hobbs said that the plan will be similar to the 15-year, $17 billion package he's pushed the past two sessions, which raises money from a gas tax hike plus either a fat, flat, fat, flat fee on carbon emissions or a cap-and-invest system. Along with this, they are proposing a low-carbon fuel standard, which requires gas manufacturers to change the fuel mixture for Washington in order to reduce the amount of carbon burnt in your vehicle. California and Oregon currently require this, and California, not surprisingly, has the highest gas tax in the nation. Of course, gas prices will rise when fuel manufacturers have to change the fuel mixture for two or three states. According to some Republican lawmakers, this could add another $1 a gallon to your gas.
So can you afford $5 a gallon gas? Because that's what you're looking at. Gas prices have already gone up here in Washington about 50 cents a gallon since Biden took office. A couple are national price increases, which I'm sure will continue to go up with our state taxes, and it's going to become a very expensive uh, problem to drive your car. While the state's also considering a capital gains tax, or what it should be referred to as an income tax, which is actually against our state constitution, and I'm not sure why the state attorney general is not addressing this, but as per, this is from the WashingtonPolicyCenter.org, proponents of a capital gains tax need to be honest and call it what it is, an income tax. There is no honest debate. The IRS answered this question directly, saying, quote, it is an income tax. Every state revenue department in the country, all 49 other states other than Washington, treat capital gains taxes as income tax. What are the odds that Washington got it right and everybody else got it wrong? Imposing an income tax, however, will throw away what Washington's Department of Commerce calls a competitive advantage and great marketing for the state. A capital gains tax in particular will inject extreme volatility into the state's revenues and budget. But the more important benefit of passing a capital gains tax is on the legal side from my perspective. The other side will change, challenge it as an unconstitutional property tax. This will give the Supreme Court the opportunity to revisit its bad decisions from 1934 and 1951 that income is property and will make it possible if we succeed to enact a progressive income tax with a simple majority vote. Those words were among the emails that uh, Washington Policy Center obtained thanks to a public records request for the correspondence of certain legislators Washington Policy Center obtained emails from key advocates proving what we've been warning for years, that the motive for the income tax on capital gains is to spark a court challenge that would enable a new state Supreme Court to overturn nearly a hundred years of precedence and allow for a broad-based income tax. So not just on what they're saying right now. No, this is just the key to the door to open that door and put an income tax on all of us. Capital gains taxes are volatile and unreliable sources of tax revenue. Delaware described the tax as extremely volatile and unpredictable. Massachusetts as among the most volatile and unpredictable major sources of revenue. And even California described their capital gains income tax as among the more significant sources of revenue volatility. And Virginia described them as the most volatile tax source that any state has to forecast. So from our state office of financial management, talking about the capital gains tax, it says that this proposal would tax individuals for the sale or exchange of capital assets that they have held for more than one year. Unless an exemption applies, capital assets are personal property you own for investment or personal reasons and do not usually sell in the course of business. The tax would equal 9% of your Washington capital gains. You would be required to pay capital gains tax if your taxable capital gains exceed $25,000 or $50,000 for individuals filing joint returns.
At this point, they say the capital gains tax does not apply to residential real estate sales, retirement accounts, assets the government seizes under eminent domain or assets you sell or exchange under threat of eminent domain, cattle, horses, or breeding livestock you, the farmer, hold for more than 12 months and more than 50% of your gross income is from farming or ranching for the year of the sale or exchange. Agricultural land, if you, the owner, has regular, continuous, and substantial involvement in the agricultural operation by meeting the criteria under IRS code, correction, IRC code, section 469H, for the 10 years prior to the date of the sale or exchange. Tangible personal property you use in a business that qualifies for an income tax deduction. Timber timberland or dividends or distributions from real estate, investment trusts derived from gains from the sale or exchange of timber. If you pay capital gains tax to another jurisdiction on a taxable sale or exchange of a capital asset located in the other jurisdiction, you may take a credit on your Washington return up to the amount of tax you already paid. You can take a business and occupation B&O tax deduction for your capital gains so you don't pay the taxes twice. You must report and pay capital gains tax at the same time you file your federal income tax return. If you receive a filing extension for your federal taxes, you will also receive a filing extension for your state capital gains tax. However, you must still pay the tax due on your original filing date. This proposal impacts approximately 42,000 taxpayers. So do you honestly think that this capital gains tax won't eventually be tweaked to include lower incomes? And I mean, they've already admitted this because they talked about uh, wanting this to, to force the issue to the Supreme Court so they could open the door to a, a widespread income tax. And eventually this is going to spread to retirement accounts, farms, residential real estate. I mean, come on. You know better than that. They'll gradually ease this in and then get us all. And once we start down this road, we can't go back. And they will find a way to tax everyone as much as they can. We have a B&O tax in the state and sales tax instead of capital gains or income tax, as it should really be called. Do you think the B&O tax will go away if this tax is enacted? Nope. In fact, they're proposing a, an increase in the B&O tax. So the state is, is proposing a 2.5% increase in the business and occupation tax. This proposal would increase the business and occupation tax rates for most service businesses by one percentage point. The service and other activities B&O tax rate would increase from 1.5% to 2.5%. The gambling contests of chance B&O tax rate would increase from 1.63% to 2.63%. And this proposal was actually suggested in July of 2019, but it's being brought up again now. The current law uh, as, it, as it's written now, as many individuals, corporations, and other entities that engage in business activities in Washington are required to pay business and occupation tax on their gross receipts. Businesses that engage in more than one type of activity in Washington may be required to report under more than one classification. They may also be subject to more than one B&O tax rate. 
There are 12 B&O tax rates that apply to 55 different tax classifications. Uh, service and other activities. The service and other activities class classification applies to income from most service activities in Washington, including medical, architectural, legal, and janitorial services. And activities that the law does not specifically list under another B&O tax classification, such as commission income of certain brokers and agents, solid waste collection charges, and movie admission charges. The service and other activities B&O tax classification rate is 1.5%. Gambling and contests of chance. Persons operating contests of chance, such as social card games, raffles, bingo, pull tabs, report, under either the service and other activities tax rate if their income is less than 50000 per year or the gambling and contests of chance rate of 1.63%. This proposal will impact approximately 175,000 taxpayers. I mean, businesses are already getting hammered because of COVID and the shutdowns, limited capacity requirements and other requirements that cities have imposed, and now we want to hit them with more taxes? Great plan. What is that going to do to these businesses? Just hanging on for dear life. It's going to kill them. Washington is already a very unfriendly business state with some of the highest business taxes in the country. And we need to support our businesses and not continue to hinder them with these ridiculous expenses and regulations. I owned a business for many years and I'm well acquainted with paying these taxes. It's not a good situation. So... The real estate market is the next target because, of course, Washington has a pretty hot real estate market right now. So the government's got to dip its hand into that, too. So you want to sell your real estate? Well, hey, we're going to increase your taxes for that, too. <clears throat> Graduated real estate excise tax rates range from 0.75% to 2.5%. This proposal creates a graduated state real estate excise tax, REIT rates of three quarters of a percent, 0.75, if the selling price is less than 250000 or 1.28% if the selling price is at least 250000 but less than a million, 2% if the selling price is at least $1 million, but less than five, <clears throat> and 2.5% if the selling price is $5 million or more. The increase in the general fund revenues from this proposal will be transferred to the motor vehicle account. So as if real estate prices aren't already expensive enough, right? This will end up being passed on to sellers or buyers, increasing costs even more and preventing people who are already on the edge from being able to buy that house of their own. Again, this will negatively impact the people the state claims to care the most about, low-income minorities. How equitable are tax policies like these? In places like Seattle, where they also add their own tax on real estate, you'll be looking at 3% or higher excise tax. Again, when is enough enough? According to the Tax Foundation, Washington is number four in the nation for the highest state and local taxes. We rank 19 in the nation for highest business taxes, number nine in the nation for state sales tax, Number two for state and local general sales tax. Number four for gas tax, soon to be number one. Number eight for cigarette tax and number 26 for property tax. On top of all these state taxes, we have cities like Seattle enacting high taxes on anything and everything. 
every way possible to take more of your hard-earned money and give it to politicians, pet projects, social programs, and people who don't work. The economy is in a position right now that cannot support these high tax rates. We are trying to recover from the pandemic. People and businesses are trying to get back on their feet. The state needs to cut costs and programs instead of increasing them if it needs more money. They are on the verge of creating a financial catastrophe like we have never seen. It's time to pull our heads out of the sand and put a stop to this. I encourage you to reach out to your state representatives by phone or email and let them know that you want them to that you want to be stopped being taxed. No more new taxes, not right now. Let the economy recover before we start considering all these taxes that will do nothing but hinder growth. Hey guys, thank you for watching my Behind the Line podcast on Net News Network. If you want to find additional content from Behind the Line, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or on Telegram, and you can follow me on LinkedIn. Thank you for all your support.